Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. So let's turn to our gospel reading for the morning, which is John 10, 1 through 10. Ray, did you want to help? Okay, right here. No? Okay. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks, Kara. Uh, Hey, everybody. Yes. My son, Isaac, this morning said, Dad, are you preaching today? You haven't preached for like three weeks. (laughs) So I said, yeah, man. Are you going to listen? He's like, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the comments right now, and I I see from Junia. Junia says, hey, the financial update done by Andrew was really helpful for me to watch. Check it out. Thanks, Junia. (laughs) I love it. Uh, And thanks, Hannah, for that call to worship. Beautiful. And, oh, my goodness, Noah, Charles, Grant, Harrison, and Eleanor, I heard your voice in there, too. You guys did so great. I love it. Man, you guys are incredible. Um, Okay, a couple things before we get into the sermon. And I really might go about two hours today. So, you know, just buckle up and you can leave if you want to. I just have a lot to say. I have a lot to say, y'all. Uh, one thing is we have some elder candidates to present to you. Um, I'm going to do that right now, but also via email tomorrow. Uh, and some nominating committee candidates. We're gonna, the members will vote to affirm those at the annual meeting. But I'll just let you know right now. And you can see we're going to send out bios and pictures just in case you don't know who these folks are. But for our nominating committee, we're very pleased uh, to present Betsy Hines and John Powell. 
to be to enter into the do the nominating committee for the next season for a two year term, or is it a three year term? I can never remember. Two or three, um, and then for our elder candidates, Peter Rodriguez, Jerry Timperley, and Katie Troughton will be the three uh, elders that we're going to put forward for vote at the annual meeting. So again, you'll get bio sheets and pictures uh, in the email tomorrow. So make sure to check that out. Okay, uh, let's dive into the message. So uh, there are so many threads uh, that we could jump off on from that passes at Kara, uh, just read from John 10 and, and Freya, of course. Thank you, Freya. You, you were, I mean, stellar there in the couple words that you threw in. Um, but the word that I want to focus on is abundance. Um, I think we know what it's like to have a busy and cluttered life. We know what it's like right now to have our normal life be disrupted, don't we? And wonder what normal will be like when we move out of the COVID-19 crisis. And I think many of us have followed Jesus for a long time, but if we were honest, we would maybe be willing to say that our lives aren't really abundant. Now, maybe some of us would. But most of us, I think, wouldn't. So I want to ask the first all-play question. When, when Jesus says that phrase, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Here's the all-play question. What thoughts, words, feelings, or pictures come to mind when you hear the phrase abundance or abundant life? What thoughts, pictures, feelings, or words come to mind when you think about abundance or abundant life. More than you need. Thanks, Kirsty. Kirsty, hope you're feeling well. Uh, cornucopias everywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Enough, never lacking. All the feels, good and bad. I love that. To be given freely. My cup is overflowing. Ooh, strong community. Thanks, Peyton. Freya says a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then Jenny Hill, is Jesus talking about the life that is to come or the life now? I think that's a fascinating question. Um, eternal love and life, the Abbeys say. Uh, Hannah says, all you need and no worries. Yes, the state fair. <laughs> I love it. Huge garden in full bloom is the image. That's a great image. Joe says, the table's so full of good food that you can't fit. <laughs> your plate on it. <laughs> yes, of course, Joe would have an image of food, but I love it. Oh, Bob says my life. Oh, I love it. Junia. Thanks. Junia is just, Junia is on fire today. Junia says a table chock full of everyone's favorite food, large storerooms of what you need to live. Oh, Nate, fully integrated personhood. Man, if you were in the room right now, I would say say more. Yeah, snaps from Hannah, snaps for that. Fully integrated personhood. Friends, family, and community. Thanks, uh, Jim and Holly. Ugh. So Jesus says this in John 10, 10, and this is kind of a verse that Christians like to throw around a lot, and I, I'm not sure if we know what it means, which is why we do sermons and conversations like this. Uh, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So. According to that 
just that verse, whatever else abundance is, Jesus is going to contrast it with stealing, killing, and destroying. So whatever else abundance is, I'm going to say that it's the opposite of stealing. It's the opposite of killing. It's the opposite of destroying. Can I get an amen? Right? And so what's the opposite of stealing? I think it's giving something at personal cost. That's what Dan talked about last week, ascribing worth to someone at great personal cost versus demanding that worth be ascribed to you at their cost, right? That would be stealing. But the opposite of stealing would be giving something at personal cost, giving something to someone that doesn't have what they need, right? And then what's the opposite of killing? Let's let that be an all play. What's the opposite of killing? Life. Thanks, Molly. Giving birth. Thanks, Kirstie. You know a little bit about that recently, huh? Loving, bringing life. Thanks, Bob. Ooh, reviving. Again, Junia is just, Junia's on fire. Um, bringing life, new creation, nurturing life, healing. From Ruby, loving. Thanks, Ruby. Yes. Ooh, Nate Tove. Yeah, which means goodness. <laughs> Thriving, sustaining, grace and forgiveness. Max says saving. Yes. Way to go, Baymax. I love that. Ooh, mentorship. I like that. The opposite of killing is mentorship. Whew. Lighting up, helping others grow. So good. So good. I, I wrote down that the opposite of killing is nurturing and protecting life without fear. Nurturing and protecting life without fear. And then the opposite of destroying, I wrote down rebuilding anything that's been broken. So uh, I was on the Genesis community page yesterday and I read someone that was having a bad day uh, got a delivery of some flowers from a mysterious man in a mask. Uh, it was May Day, right? You know, so first of May, life should be blooming all around, but you're feeling kind of down for whatever reason. And then someone brings you flowers and plants to your house that was unannounced. And that was Bob and Jerry Timperley. They're the leaders of the regional group of the Northsiders. And that's what they did on May Day. They went around and they... um helped rebuild that which was broken by delivering plants, you guys. And they're probably mad at me for sharing that, you know, but I don't care. Bob, Jerry, you're the best. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, you are mad or yes, you're the best. <laughs> Both. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Bob. Oh, um, you know, another example of giving something at personal cost, I'm seeing, I'm sure you are too on the news now that there are some people who uh, have had COVID-19 and, and have antibodies in their system and they're getting plasma. So other people uh, can recover quickly. And I just find that the opposite of stealing. That's giving something at personal cost. That's abundance. 
That's the opposite of stealing. Um, right. And I'm sure, you know, in fact, let's just let this be an all play. What other examples are you seeing these days of the opposite of stealing, giving something at personal cost, the opposite of killing, nurturing and protecting life without fear, the opposite of destroying, rebuilding that which has been broken. Oh yeah, Sarah, making and delivering masks. People are doing that. Kara's doing that. Kara's been, the mask that I wear is from Kara Verhage and it's awesome. It's just like, pow, all this kind of, and it's, it's incredible. I love it. And it's comfortable. I mean, a mask that is comfortable. Now I also have noticed that like breath mints in addition to masks, that is a necessity that that's a necessary combo folks. Um, okay. Making delivery masks will vulnerability with emotions. Yes. Yes. What else? What are you seeing? Anthony, I have a mask that says, if you can read this, your social distance is too close. <laughs> that's good, man. <laughs> Anthony, that's great. Well, the relationship between sheep and their shepherd is the primary metaphor for how abundance is described in three out of the four lectionary passages. That's why I wanted all four to be read today. Uh, I don't know that we've ever done that. But the relationship between sheep and their shepherd is how abundance is characterized in three out of four. And, um, you know, growing up in the church, I, I never, ever heard a passage about sheep or a message, a sermon about sheep and their shepherd without the pastor saying like, and what are sheep? They're dumb. They're just dumb creatures. They're dumb. And we're dumb too. So we're just like those dumb sheep. And I always thought like, okay, yes, we are like those sheep, but we are not dumb. Can we just erase that metaphor? We have needs like sheep do. But anyway, I'm tired of that. Uh, Psalm 23, one through three. And let's, let's give a quick shout out to Rick Patton. Rick, this is for you. I mean, you love Psalm 23. It's your favorite passage. You've taught on it many times. Let me just read the first three verses. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is from the New Century Version. It's kind of got an interesting slant. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. This is like the psalmist is writing as if he was a sheep. Not dumb, but a sheep. And he's writing about how he feels about his shepherd. So let's let this be an all play question. What do you notice in how the psalmist describes his relationship? What words would you use to describe how the sheep or the psalmist feels about the shepherd, the Lord, based on these three verses? Enormously blessed. Protected and safe. Thanks, Sarah. Loved. Thanks, Anthony. Calm. Yeah, right? Calm. Secure. Thanks, Kristen. The opposite of anxiety. Yes. Trusting. Trust for everything, safe, yes, 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 taken care of, relaxed, yes. 
you know what I noticed? It's really fascinating. Oh, there's some more. There was never any question of who was in control. Yeah, Brady, man, forgiven. Comfortable being led. Yeah, Scott, exactly. Dependent in a positive way. Tom and Diane, yes. The best anti-anxiety ever. Thanks, Anthony. Joe says, certain of the shepherd's character in uncertain circumstances. Come on, baby, you preach. Mindful. Yes. Not having to look over your shoulder always. Yes. Positive growth. Yes. All these things. You know, it's so interesting for me as I really reflected on those, those three verses this week, what I noticed is that, that, that the psalmist talks about the Lord as his shepherd in a very trusting way, you know? Um, but it's less about like believing in, you know what I mean? And more about trusting to provide real needs. Trusting the shepherd to provide real needs. And I just find that, like, let me explain why that kind of blew my mind this week. Okay. So like you, like many of you, I have gone through several faith deconstructions, right? Where the thing that you used to believe in something stops working in how you believe in it. And so you have to do all kind of a journey of questioning and saying, who is God really? And then we expand our vision of God and our picture of who God is so that it can hold the experiences of life that made us do the questioning in the first place. And this is all part of growth, right? This is all part of how we evolve in our faith. It's healthy, it's good, but it's hard, isn't it? Because there are certain things you leave behind when you expand your faith. And there are certain things you move into when you expand your faith that are unfamiliar. So you leave behind some familiar and you leave and you walk towards some unfamiliar. And when you do that, you never quite know, like, am I leaving behind something that I need to take with me? Am I moving towards something that I need to be wary of? These are all the questions that you ask. And um, in my own faith deconstruction, I've noticed that I've moved away from what felt like an overly self-referential gospel, meaning like the whole gospel means that I can say a prayer and go to heaven when I die, and that's the whole message. And even if there's some truth in that, I found that to be too small. Just it, it didn't, it couldn't hold all of my questions. And so I began to, to ask questions that would, that would expand what it means, what the gospel really means, who the good news is really for. And I, I began to found that it, it's not just for me and my tribe and the kind of people that can pray a certain prayer. And it's not just about going to heaven when you die. It's about so much more. And as I began to expand my faith in that, in that way, I noticed something. And I noticed I began to unconsciously move away from a concept of a God that wanted to meet my needs. I began to move away from a God that even thought about me very much or cared about me very much. I began to, and I never, it's not like I decided to do this, but I think as I moved away from this overly self-referential view, which I think was too small, I left something behind that I wish I would have brought with me. And I want to pause right there and just ask an all play. Is anyone tracking with that? Is that, is that true for anyone else? Totally. No doubt. Yes. 
Yep. Absolutely. Okay. hundred percent. So you're, so you're tracking. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Yepper. So as we return to this, this week's lectionary passages about the sheep and their shepherd, one of the things that I noticed comes out of John 10. And this is the gospel passage that Kara read. And this is what I noticed. So I'll just read a couple verses, two through five. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Okay. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. So we get the picture that the sheep are in the sheep pen. They're huddled together. The shepherd comes in through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate and the shepherd comes in. And then he says, and then we read this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all out all of his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, but they will run, but they'll run from that stranger because they do not know the voice of strangers. So a couple observations. Number one, I think we do follow and listen to the voice of strangers too often. That voice that whispers we're not good enough, that we're not lovable enough, that we are lacking everything, and that um, um just the voice of scarcity and it is a stranger's voice and we do listen to it and we do follow it. And why do we, you know, like where does it lead us? It actually steals from us. It kills us and it destroys us, but there is a shepherd that is calling our name that knows us. And I was very moved by this image that like whatever else, whatever faith we deconstruct, whatever we move away from, Let's not move away from the idea that the Lord who is our shepherd knows our name. Amen? Let's not give that up. Let's not move away from that. Let's not abandon that. Let's bring that with us as our faith expands. Amen? Can I get an amen? So the other thing I'm noticing, though, that's frankly revolutionary is that the, the shepherd doesn't just go into the sheep pen and hang out with the sheep, you know, calming the sheep down, petting the sheep, maybe even feeding the sheep. What does the shepherd do? That's an all play question. And this is a rhetorical one. So there is an answer. <laughs> I'm breaking all the rules. What does the shepherd do? He leads them out of the pen. He doesn't just know their name. He doesn't just call their name. He leads them out. Now, why does he lead them out? Ruby, he takes care of the sheep. He really does. Why does he call them out? Why why would a shepherd lead sheep out of the sheep pen? So they can go beside still waters and drink. Thanks, Kirsty, because they need to drink water. <laughs> um, life in a pen isn't a whole life. Thank you, Rebecca. Yes, to love as he does. Yes. So they can eat. Yes, to feed them. Yes. 
And, the, and God is the first to leave, Hannah. Yes, God is the first to say, there's a life out here too. And it's not just about being safe in the pen. I will provide safety for you in this pen and outside of this pen. Amen? That's what the Lord that is the shepherd says. Sarah, yes, so that they can live. There's not enough food, life source in the pen. Yes, Joe. To liberate them, Jim and Holly, yes. To further nurture them, yes. So there's this picture of the good shepherd, you guys. Now catch this. I find this just fascinating and liberating and revolutionary. This good shepherd um, does the opposite of stealing. He gives something at personal cost. You read that in 1 Peter 3. We don't have time, but we do. But but we read that. Or 1 Peter 1. Um, he does the opposite of killing. He nurtures and protects life without fear. He does the opposite of destroying. He rebuilds that which is broken. And he does that by knowing us, by calling out our name so much that we can recognize his voice. And then he leads us out into the world so that we can have rest, we can uh, drink water, we can have a full life. It's not just meant to be cooped up in the pen. I think that was wrong. That is what was wrong about my original understanding of the gospel. It was like Jesus came into the pen, we stayed in the pen, and and the whole, the whole everything else was just life after we die. Now I think life after we die is part of it. Let's not lose that either. But there's an abundant life to be had here and now. And I don't think it means getting everything we want. It's not the prosperity gospel. And I don't think it means you know, having more than enough. Uh, Brene Brown talks about the opposite of scarcity. She says, isn't abundance, it's enough. Enough. Having enough. And uh, so this, this Jesus that reflects to us who God is, is intimate enough to know our name, is precious enough to where we can learn her voice, his voice, but is also expansive enough to lead us out. And as Hannah said, to go first and we follow. And we follow because we trust, which is different than believing in. We trust the Lord to give us what we need. We trust the Lord to give us rest when we're tired. We trust the Lord to provide places for us to drink cool water free from predators. We trust the Lord to give us what we need. Amen. Psalm 23, 5 and 6 says this, You pour oil of blessing on my head. You fill my cup to overflowing. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now that's a picture of abundance. That's a picture of abundance. So, and and did you catch this? Like another translation says, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me, will follow me all the days of my life. So you get this picture that, that we follow the shepherd, you know, we follow the shepherd and the shepherd follows us too in some mysterious paradoxical way. Isn't that incredible? So we're surrounded by the shepherd. We're surrounded by the shepherd's good care and love in front of us, behind us, to our right, to our left, above us, 
beneath us, beneath us. That's an abundant life. That's an abundant life. It can be expansive. It can move outward and it can be intimate and personal. God knows our name and God leads us out. That's the beautiful gospel of both and. Amen. Oh, you guys, it's good news. See, that's good news. And we can keep growing and we can keep expanding and we can keep evolving. But let's not throw away intimacy and God's personal loving care for us. Because if we do, then we end up legalistic and brittle, you know, and we, it's just a different kind of pen. Does that make sense? I thought about recreating Psalm 23 based on an impersonal God. <laughs> it's like the Lord is my, well, wait a minute. I don't really want to pin the Lord down. So let's not say the Lord is anything. <laughs> I shall not be in, well, I guess I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what God even gives me anyway. So let's keep that one open too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah. oh. the Lord is my office manager. Oh, Cassandra, you are hilarious. Oh, you guys. So let me end with this quote from Kayla McClurg. I think you'll like this one. Um, I'll say it twice. So just let it, let it, let it soak in the first time. And then you can pay attention a little more the next time. Abundance creeps in through unlocked minds and undefended hearts, bringing her lovely friends, grace and forgiveness, humility and unfailing love ease with neighbor and enemy. All manner of good accompanies true abundance. And all we must do is make space, open the door of our hearts, and hang the sign that says, you are welcome here. Read it again. Abundance creeps in through unlocked minds and undefended hearts, bringing her lovely friends grace and forgiveness, humility and unfailing love, ease with neighbor and enemy, and all manner of good accompanies true abundance. All we must do is make space, open the door of our hearts, and hang the sign that says, you are welcome here. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.